Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. For today's episode, we're sharing a conversation from our Predictions Online event, where Victor interviews Matt Garini, Keith Johnston, and Sam Stern to discuss why we're calling 2018 a year of reckoning. To hear more from the event, visit for.com slash predictions panel. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash predictions panel. Without further ado, here's Victor. So welcome to our panel. We have Sam Stern, Macarini, and Keith Johnston. And we're going to talk about where we think we're heading in 2018 and 19. And I'll start by sort of setting the stage. The argument is that the market is going so fast, it's outpacing the response rate of a company. Where companies just simply can't respond as fast as the market demands of them. And the second one is, when you look at the total investments, companies are, are spending either more or equal money on their existing business model that's being exhausted and not spending the right kind of money on the next thing because they're just not sure what the next thing is. So scenarios, what happens in 2018? I, th- I think you're going to see a lot of growth going on in 18, uh, and not just from the technology side, but I, I think you know, we've seen it with the U.S., with the stock market, uh, a lot of our own projections, uh, big growth in tech spend. Um, a lot of the projections on the economy, Jamie Dimon just said he thinks we may hit 4%. Um, you know, they're talking about a lot of spend on the infrastructure side that might come from the government. So I think the fundamentals are there for a potential boom. And I think one of the interesting things on the new U.S. tax law is actually what happened back in the 80s boom. You're starting to see some other countries respond, mm-hmm. um, and they're starting to look at cutting their tax rates. Japan has done that already, and it's an interesting response because all of a sudden people are looking at it saying, ooh, I better cut my rates because otherwise investment's going to flow to the U.S. And when you do that, you put in place a real dynamic that you could see some really strong growth. And the, the challenge is going to be how do you take that growth and take those dollars and use them so how do you use your, your own business? How do you use your balance sheet very strategically? Because you're seeing a lot of tax proceeds go right to the bottom line or to the right to the balance sheet. It'd be interesting to see how people who are, especially if they're behind in the marketplace, start using that whether it's acquisition or major investments. I mean, that it seems like there's going to be a lot of sort of leapfrogging going on out there. Oh, absolutely. In, in 2018, you really need to look at how you've been operating your business because the fundamental Matt is absolutely right. The fundamentals are there. Yep. But I think you're going to see 2018 as a bunch of winners and losers, and nothing in between. Hmm. Because the, the winners ran fast and the losers absolutely. Stayed in place. There's yep. no there's no excuses. So say you're a company, and this is a lot of companies, which say it's like, well, I need to save a little bit so that I can invest. Yep. Um, I need to um, just get smarter about how I operate my business. Well. Well, that was because they may have thought that they're being compressed with margin or they're a little bit cash poor. Well, if there's an influx in funds and all the fundamentals are there and all your competitors are chasing you faster than ever, you need to use that money to accelerate your growth and get innovative. And by the way, if you don't, your company is going to be dead. And one thing I'd add to that, the number of companies I talk to and when I do and they say, oh, well, you know, we're trying to cut IT spend, blows my mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, with where the markets are going, everybody's stock prices are inflated. Well, I shouldn't say inflated, but they're bigger than they were a year ago, a good 20, 30%. You know, right now, you're not listening to Keith. If you're not thinking about how do I run faster, this is you're a, in a lot of trouble. Somebody yeah, this else is a real is, use of cash game. And somebody's either yeah. expanding their lead or they're catching up yep. from behind. So yep. you better figure that one out. But I think that's a great that's a great example of why there will be these 
classes of winners and losers, mm -hmm. right? The winners see this as the time to press down on the accelerator. The losers are seeing it continue of that cutting yeah. mindset and we'll, we'll return this to the stockholders and to the balance sheet and not find ways to invest. And I think it, it's just indicative of the fact that they don't have the creativity, they don't have the imagination to see the opportunities for investment so with all is, that cash. So 18 is a year of either use of cash or failure of imagination. Yeah. Like, like, that's the mm. two bookends yeah. of this thing. So there's three scenarios that you just pointed at. One is I sort of protect my existing business model and I, and I sort of kind of move my margin where I want it to be. That's sort of scenario one. I've already in the new operating model, a new business model, and I'm just spending like crazy because I can gain a huge advantage in the marketplace. Or I use 18 to cut over because it's simply a year of growth and it's, that's the best time to cut over. What percentage of companies cut over from their prior model to the new model, a new digital first, very customer centric, lifestyle driven kind of model? 10%, 20%, is it? No, I think the numbers are probably higher than that. When you look at the number really? of companies that are in a, di in a digital transformation, um, numbers are pretty high. But will um, they cut over their business? Well, that's the challenge. I think the thing that you'll see is when we talk about being in a digital transformation, the real leaders are the ones that actually do the transformation bit. They change the business model. Yep. They're not yep. just going out and changing from some things from analog to digital. Yep. Uh, we see too much of that, the latter. What we're really looking for and what the leaders do, they're the ones that are out there saying, I'm going to disrupt my business. Yep. I'm going to find ways to come in and use digital. To, you know, to better engage the customer, to create those new experiences, to change the way they interact with the customer more often, more frequent, with a richer experience. Those are the people that are going to press that lead. And I think that's, those are the people, fewer, but those are the ones that are getting digital transformation. Yeah, I'd like to emphasize just the point that Matt's making is it's not about just digitizing your business or yep. digitizing your brand, if you will. It's using technology to create the new market. Right. You know, mm -hmm. walking your company to the new customer right now. So See, I'm, I'm pessimistic, I guess, then, relative to that, because I, I think that the cash available, right, through the, the, the new tax regime will allow a lot of people to, um, to avoid some hard choices that they might have had to make this so year So they'll otherwise. feel artificially Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, look at our performance, look at our financial performance. So, I, but again, this is where I think, I, I really, Keith, I, the, your winners and losers points resonates for me because for others, they will see this as the chance they actually, they'll flip that and say, we now have an opportunity to still have good financial performance, hold Wall Street at bay a little bit, and make some of these longer-term investments because we have the cash. That should be, that's the sort of sober long-term um, perspective on this. And I think what's really interesting to me is this week, actually, that we're, as we're recording this, um, Apple and uh, Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, have been talking about this. We want you, companies, to take a longer-term focus. And Apple committing to taking a longer-term yep. view and in part, I think that can be the sort of the sort of good response to the, the the tax plan. I just think a lot of firms are much more short term than that. So let's talk about the race for a second, because one argument of a race is there's many races and they exist within the industry. So banks race with banks, insurers mm. race with insurers, et cetera, et cetera. The other argument is what we start started seeing in rumblings in seventeen, which is these industry lines are getting blown up by digital. And the best example and the most persistent example is Amazon. Amazon can kind of go into markets as they wish, yeah. regulations be damned kind of thing. And they'll go, they'll be a bank, they'll be an insurer, they'll be this and they'll be that. As we exit 18, how much does industries matter? Is that, are there races or is it a race? I think that's an interesting question and I'm, I'm, now I'm starting to churn a little bit about what Sam is saying because 
if you look at what we're talking about right now, we're talking about economics and, and innovation, yep. you know, and, and looking at how they compound one another or don't. If you look at a recession, the best companies in the world, the companies that, that Sam just discussed, those are the kind of companies that look at the market that they're in and say, all right, it's a recession, but it's not a recession for all of us. Mm. Yep. Some of us are doing pretty well. We're going to use extra cash flow and just go ahead and pull so far ahead that our common. This is a game of share. I'll just win the shares yeah. when it gets back. I just got See the bigger. See it gone. Yep. I got the bigger. Buy on the dick. Buy on the dick. Yep. Yeah. But, but now you're looking at a different market. We're yeah. not going into a recession. You know, all the models say that it's, we're going to have a prolonged. We used to go every 10 years. It's going to be a little bit longer out at this current state of the market. Well, now you're sitting in a situation, it's not about separating from your competition, it's about looking at the adjacent industries to you. The other places that now I can double down on innovation and go ahead and, good, let me just go ahead and conquest oh, another the, vertical. Right, the cost to enter has gone way down. Absolutely. I mean, so. Switching do, costs have gone down. Do industries begin to disappear? Is it, how relevant it is in my decisioning as a, again, as a bank or insurer, whatever, that I'm gonna win in my market or do I have to win broadly? I just have to win by the hearts and minds and spend on my customers, knowing my competitive set is going to get stranger and bigger as I go. I think the, I think it goes. To, I think they're less important those models because I yep. think you start to see blurring of it. But I think it starts to you know a customer has certain needs, certain moments that they live within. You know, if you need to be able to secure your family, you know, you're doing certain things. You don't need to sit there and say, well, I do insurance for this and banking for that. If the ability is to go after that by working with one provider. That, that now can happen, right? Yep. Um, you can see it with how much money, how much cash Apple has and how much of that's flowing through Apple Pay and things like that. When's the chance, all, when's it gonna happen when Apple all of a sudden changes the way that they do their business and all of a sudden becomes a financial institution? Could they well, be Apple, Apple is a financial institution. Yeah. I well, mean, they, they compete with PayPal, they compete with MasterCard. I mean, you can go into an Apple context in financial. And Aren't they already there? Yeah. I think they're, they're there, but I think there's more room for them to grow oh, because sure. of how much they have on their balance sheet that they're not deploying. Yeah, and I think what you're alluding to a little bit too, and I, I think we'll see this year, is that the cash will enable um, the movement into adjacent industries through acquisition, which you were sort of alluding mm -hmm. to as well, Keith, but the idea that you know, if Apple buys Tesla, yep. or the way Amazon bought Whole Foods, and repeating that in other industries breaks down some of those industry silos um, just by Amazon integrating them into their experience, Apple integrating them into their experience. So can a, can a large multi-industry, using the old model, multi-conglomerate yeah. exist in 2019, or does it create such a com complex set of experiences that you're just, it's just a financial instrument at that point in time? Is, can you really yeah. operate in that way? Back to our earlier point though, if you can show up in the right moments and with the right context and intent for customers across those, they will reward you for yep. giving them greater connectivity between all of those disparate experiences. Yep. So I, I think so. Okay. I would add something though. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's absolutes in this. And the reason I say that is that a big part of this comes down to leadership and culture. Yeah. And you know, you could look at what's going on with GE right now. You yep. know, they've had their challenges. Um, there's now talks about maybe they break it up. So th there's your conglomerate. And it's mm -hmm. easy right. to sit there and say it's not gonna work. 
But there are several companies out there that fit into that conglomerate. Well, Amazon category. bought Whole Foods. I mean, that's a form of that. And they're but becoming GE's a conglomerate. But there's also traditional companies out there that are in the conglomerate mode <laughs> that still perform well. Yep. And, you know, it's because they have the right leadership. They have a good strategy in place. They're disrupting the different parts of the conglomerate. So, um, you know, I won't go into absolutes on there, but I will say that, you know, when you're looking at these people that are going to succeed in 18, the winners and the losers, the people stepping on the gas, a lot of that's going to be driven by that leadership and culture. You know, you're yeah. going to have the right person who says, now's the time for us to go forward. So, so you're, this you're, is, I, I want to comment on that. Is like, this is where I'm talking about winners and losers because we're talking about a conglomerate and we're trying to compare, okay, Amazon is a conglomerate, but so is GE. Yep. The big difference in this age is that Amazon has gone into that idea that I'm going to use all of my assets and the experiences and my understanding of their customer and I'm going to take all these little companies that look like they're separate companies but they fit and the lifestyle. They fit they, a life. They it. fit the style of the customer. Yep. I'm maximizing yep. the value. I'm owning more real estate in that person's day, their mindset, their wallet. Yep. GE, even though we're talking about more B2B, you know, it's a system of different companies that mostly have different customers. Right. Mm. So you may step back and say, it's like, it makes perfect sense. For me to grow, I need to break it apart, rethink what I'm going to be as GE in yep. this new future and then perhaps pull some of them back together? Perhaps not. I, I like what you're saying. You, you just gave me a stomachache because you said the word culture <laughs> twice. And you said in the past that culture could take five years. Yeah. So we're talking about a year of significant tailwinds on the economy and a, a just yeah. amazing pace of market. And you have said in the past five years of culture. Yeah. Is culture fool's gold? <laughs> or, you know, can I really change the culture or do I actually have to substitute a culture? I have to you, acquire for the culture. Yeah. I have to hire for the culture. I'm losing my window of opportunity to truly change my culture. Where do we sit there? Right. It, the, uh, you know, changing a culture, it's like the old proverb about planting a tree. The best time was 10 years ago. The second best time is now. So yeah. get started now if you haven't already. What I, the, the thing I'm going to look for in, in 18 as an indicator of whether companies are serious about changing culture if they haven't committed to it already is all of the cash, and you know, we've seen announcements from companies about returning it to um, you know, JetBlue, yep. I think, paid every employee $1,000. And that's very nice. Uh, no complaints there, right? But are you doing something to invest in the employee experience, invest in your culture with some of that cash? If I see indications of that, I will think that they are taking it seriously in a way that maybe they haven't been able to or they haven't um, known how to do before. And I haven't seen any of those stories yet, so I'll be interested to see if that happens this year. And I hit on a phrase that uh, Sam just used around employee experience, and we were just talking about this today. Um, I think that in 18 is going to start to come much more to the fore. Um, you know, the way that people yeah. are going to push these experiences, and that plays directly into culture. Um, that ability to how do you create an experience? Because once you get the employees that are, you know, you have you've built value in them and, and they have an enjoyable experience then that builds out into the customer side of things and now you use that and those are the companies that are going to be the most successful as a question we're likely going to see salary inflation mm. are we going to bidding war for the right talent are we going to yeah. enter a bidding war because we're going to have cash on hand even yeah. the guys that you know have lost the prior bidding wars have a lot of cash mm -hmm. on hand you're talking about infusing companies with a lot of the right kind of leadership, the right kind of yeah. talent and culture. Are we entering into bidding wars for talent and people need a prep now? See, I would argue the fool's gold would be chasing talent, whereas the right culture and investing in your culture and building an employee experience that reinforces the right culture is a way to protect yourself against having to throw money at a talent problem. 
because you can build you through can your culture, it. you can yep. attract and retain and build up the, the talent that you need. Yeah, I mean, step one is that you, know, you, you define who you're gonna be as a culture mm -hmm. and as a company. You look at the skills that you need um, and you get a really good hard look at, at what you have. Do you have too much of what you don't need and not enough of what you do need? You start there. Yep. And then it's gonna come down to the rule of the thirds. I think we just talked about it the other day. Is just, you know, it's like, you know, 33% of your company just gets it and they will grab that culture and they will run with it, they will habitualize it. You know, they're ready. There's a third of your company that you're gonna train. There's yep. a third of your company that as leaders, you just gotta say, I'm gonna let them go. And, and if I have to overinvest in certain talent to accelerate innovation, just to get a spark with the 66 or 75% that I have left, I'm gonna go ahead and do that. And then I'm gonna to continue to make my culture a habit so people don't wanna leave and I'm gonna right. treat yeah. them well. But you just talked about that 33% is an above a 20% of employee attrition rate. I mean, that's a remark, you know, people what I, what I love can't about withstand Keith's, that kind of attrition. What rate, I love so. about Keith's point though is that the right culture means that the right 33% decide to leave. Yep. Right? The rest stay because they feel like this is the place for them. And the attrition that's happening naturally is maybe a little bit higher as you really yep. show that you are transforming into this new organization. And the people that don't fit with that, they will leave because they feel like they can no longer be successful here because it's going to a different place. Okay, so if you want to do the transformation in five years, do five or 10% a year and hope that your competition <laughs> yeah. doesn't catch up. If you want to make real change, make real change. Okay. So. Let's go back to what you said earlier. What's the, let's close this with what's to watch for 18? What should people be looking for in Q1 and Q2 as big indicators of how 18 plays out? Let's start with you. Yeah, I, I'll look for, as I mentioned, the investments in culture in particular through the mechanism of investing in the employee experience. If I see companies committing to that, I believe they're in this, not just to use the sugar rush of the money available this year, but they're building something over the longer term. Okay, what do you, what do you? I'm going to look for a continued investment in technology. Interesting. Um, People, technology. Of course. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'm going to say process. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're not going to hear that from Process me. is an excuse. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look for technology. And I, I think you know, you're going to see investments that you're going to look for people continuing to invest. It's hard to say you invest in AI because a lot of times it's in your process, in your people. But you're going to be looking for things, you know, people doing uh, models around blockchain. Uh, you're going to just see a lot of that. You're going to see startups. Um, you know, we're going to see another wave of unicorns coming through. Yeah. Those indicators to me are that people are really throwing money because uh, this goes back to your salary point. I, I think automation is the next big thing. I mean, it's, we're already there, and you're seeing that start to help mitigate some of these salary factors, and technology is a prime driver of that. Yeah. Hmm. I want companies just to really take this advantage. You have cash flow, um, you know, coming in. There's an opportunity to innovate. It's just, you know, I want... I want the C-suites to take a step back and look at their companies the way that their customers do. Yep. And, um, and I'll you know, focus on marketing because it's, it's in advertising because what I know best is that your best brand is conceived by having a complete experience yep. that the customer can enjoy you know, in your product suite, the company, who you are and everything. Is that, that in 2018, I think the best CMOs, the best CEOs, as a matter of fact, are gonna, are gonna look is that I want my product experience, my customer service, my brand communications, my every communication to feel like representative of my entire company. 
instead of this silo-driven world that we've been in so long yep. that's just created havoc and excuses, to be honest yep. with you. Yep. There's no more excuses to be so had. So we're, we're yeah. sitting in a marketplace where the pressure has built. I mean, the customer's expectations, the pace of innovation, and now it's being met with cash on hand. And so 18 turns into a year of significant decisions and a year record, yeah. actually. I love, I want to just underline Keith's point, no more excuses. You have the cash and the opportunity this year to do it. You have and the you tailwinds and right. you know that people are expecting this of you. Yep. So do it. Hey, thank you for your time. It's prediction season. Download Forrester's 2018 predictions guide at for.com slash predictions. That's F-O-R-R.com slash predictions. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And don't forget to leave us a review. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.